We thank you, Jesus, because you are one that answers our prayers. And we thank you, Lord, right now for the body of Christ here at Alive, Lord. Everything that you're doing, Lord, here at your church. We pray, Lord, for the safety of this place, Lord. For the safety of every single person that comes into this building, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to have your hand upon us, Lord. And we ask, Lord, even for those that maybe feel sick, that you would heal them, that you would restore them, Lord. We await a praise report from what your hand can do. And Lord, as we gather, even in fellowship after, God, that you would just remind us to become sensitive, Lord, to our brother, become sensitive to our sister, so that we can continue our in-person gatherings. And we pray this all in your name. We ask that you would bless the giving. We thank you because throughout this entire process, you have multiplied the giving. We pray that that would continue to increase. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And we say a very loud and strong amen. Let's try that again. A very loud and strong amen. Awesome. Let's open our Bibles to Psalms chapter 18. Psalms chapter 18. We've titled the message of tonight, Songs of Deliverance. Songs of Deliverance. We know that David has been crying out to God in worship. But here in these songs of deliverance, we see here that Psalms 18 starts and opens us up for the next few chapters with praise reports. <laughs> How many of you guys love prayer requests? I love prayer requests. I love the prayer meeting. One of my favorite things about the prayer meeting or about gathering together as a body and as a church, one of our favorite things when it comes to that is that not only to hear the prayer requests, but also to hear the follow-up praise report. <laughs> hey, thank you for praying for me. I have a praise report. God answered now that prayer request. And here in Psalms 18, it's the focus is on the Lord. The focus not only is on the Lord, but it's also on what God did graciously for David, for his servant. Now, if you look back in your life, you can graciously now jot down, maybe mark in your journal, your notebook, everything that God has done and how He has answered your prayers. The faithfulness of God, you start to see it. But here, he, we, not only do we see what God did for David, but what God can do for you if you trust Him and if you obey. Now, as we read Psalms 18, I want you to remember, I want you to know, this is not only what God did for David, this is what God can do for you as you trust Him and as you obey Him. And at Psalms 18, this is on the day that the Lord delivered David from all his enemies. So he's celebrating in Psalms 18. Look at what the Lord did for all, did for me on behalf of all my enemies. And this is, Psalms 18 is a praise report of his testimony. Now I want to encourage you to take some time in your prayer time or in your prayer closet to write your testimony, your praise reports 
of what God has done because your praise reports are a way or are, they are a form of worship. That's why praise reports are so important because they are a form of worship. Thank you, Lord. Gratitude, filling your heart. It's a form of worship. Now let's read here Psalms 18. Look at how this worship, this praise report as David contemplates God's past deliverance for David. It says here, I will love you, Lord, O my strength, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. Now notice here, I want you to underline circle in your Bible every time he describes who God is for him. Who is God for David? Who is it that, that God, how is God manifested in David's life? How is God real in David's life? It says here, he is David's strength. Number one, God is David's strength. God is also David's rock. I love you, God, because in you I find strength. I love you, Lord, because you are my rock. You know, rock speaks about a foundation now. Rock speaks about something that is solid. Something that I can stand on. Something that I can be supported by. I love you, Lord, because you are my strength. You are my rock. It also says, you are my fortress. This is awesome. I love you because you're my strength, my rock, and my fortress. My fortress is my place of safety. Isn't this amazing? Let's keep reading. You are also my deliverer. You're my place of refuge. You're my strength, my deliverer here. You're my savior. So now here in verse 1 and 2, you see here that David is saying, I love you, Lord, because you are my strength and you are my stability. You know, in times that are changing so much, like the times that we're living in, we ought to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to spend time in your presence because I know that's where I'm going to find my stability. Do you know that there is no other place in your life where you can find stability? In fact, David is saying, I know that even in times where I was being attacked, I found strength, I found my rock, I found my fortress, and I found my stability and my deliverance in the Lord. This is his testimony. This is his life of worship, of everything God has done for him, and he has a reason to worship. Now, ask yourself today, what is your reason to worship? Do you have a reason to worship the Lord for who he is and for what he has done now when you think about his faithfulness? In fact, it says here as we continue reading, my God, here it says, my strength in whom I will trust. I can trust Him. He's trustworthy. He's dependable now. Everything that I have in the Lord, I trust Him in it. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my protection. He is that which covers me. He is the horn or my deliverance, the strength in where I get my salvation. He is my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, verse 3, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Now why does he praise him? Because he is worthy. Oftentimes you come to church and you see people raise their hands. That in worship is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of saying, Lord, here I am. 
Our hands that are lifted high is a sign of saying, Lord, use me. Here I am. It's a sign of worship, but also it's a sign of saying, Lord, I am worshiping you because simply you are worthy. The word worthy means because you deserve it. <laughs> because it is now required in light of, or it is my response in light of everything that you are for me and what you have done on my behalf. You're worthy, Lord. I come to church, I go to Bible study, I go into your presence, I go into your word, I surrender my life, I give that up, I worship in obedience because you are worthy. Let's keep reading. The pangs of death surrounded me. Have you ever felt that the ropes have entangled you in life? You feel caught up. I feel caught up with everything taking place. I feel surrounded. Now notice here. And the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. And now the ungodliness around me made me afraid. He's saying, I remember when I was, number one, surrounded. I remember when I was afraid. I was surrounded and I was afraid. Now notice this. The sorrows of Sheol, or I felt like death was coming upon me. It was so close and it surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. I was this close to dying. Three words on how David felt. He felt surrounded, he felt afraid, and he felt confronted. <laughs> Have you felt like that lately? Surrounded and tangled? Afraid because of the ungodliness? Because of the world? But then also confronted now by death. He is stressed out in this critical situation. Surrounded, afraid, confronted. Now notice what's taking place here. Because he says, in my distress, verse 6, I called upon the Lord. Circle that, underline that. When I was stressed out, this is what I did. Now it tells us exactly what David did when he was in distress. What do you do when you're in distress? When you're surrounded, when you're afraid, and when you're confronted, call upon the Lord. He called upon the Lord. He prayed to God for help. But notice what he says here. I cried out to the Lord or out to my God. And what did he do? He heard my voice. What a praise report. I cried out to God and he heard my voice. He arose. He was ready to do one thing. To defend me from his holy temple. And my cry came before him even to his ear. God is listening to me. He heard me. He goes then and says, then the earth shook. And look at how the Lord responded on behalf of David. Now David knew that the Lord responded because of the events that took place after he called out to God. I saw the Lord be manifested. I saw His hand. I saw things be moved. <laughs> Have you ever prayed for God to do something and then you start to see things be moved? <laughs> You start seeing the changes and you start to see the hand of God. Now move one in one area of your life and move in the other area where you say it has to be the Lord that has opened this door or is moving things, is working behind the scenes because I have been praying now. I called out to God. He heard me. Now let's listen to how the Lord moved on behalf of David. The same way He wants to move on behalf of you and me. The earth shook and trembled. <laughs> The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also 
and came down with darkness under his feet. Think about how the earth is responding, the movement that's taking place, the hand of God as he arose to defend David. When David was surrounded, when David was afraid, and when David was confronted. Verse 10, And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place, his canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. He's giving us a picture as to how the Lord came and stepped in on his behalf. I love it when the Lord steps in and the Lord moves things, the Lord shakes things up. Notice how it says here, and the Lord thundered from heaven. He responded, he arose. And the Most High, verse 13, uttered His voice. The Lord has the final word. Did you remember that? Yes, this leader said this. Yes, this situation is going this way. Yes, the news says all of these things. But the Lord has the final word. He uttered His voice and hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out His arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance. And he vanquished them. He took care of it. And he took care of now my enemies. He is saying. And then the channels of the sea were seven. The foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord. At the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Now think about the breath of God. That is opening now. The Lord is opening his mouth. That out of his breath is coming. The voice now of power the voice that is going to defend you the voice that is going to go before you now and look at it says in verse 16 as we continue reading that the lord reached down let's read that he sent from above he took me he drew me out i've ever felt the lord the lord took me out of the situation the lord reached down and says here among many waters he delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. I felt that I was being overpowered. I felt like there was no way. And the Lord now delivered me from those that were too strong. When I felt the pressure that I, I could not handle it any longer, the Lord delivered me. They confronted me in the day of calamity, but the Lord was my, what does it say? Support. I felt confronted, but God was supporting me. Where do you find or where do you get your support from? You see, this is his personal testimony that he is able to stand firm. He's able to be supported by the Lord. He also brought me out into a broad place. What is it talking about? It's talking about the rewards of when we obey the Lord because he says here in verse 18 and 19, he brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. God delivered in me because He saw in me obedience. Now the Lord here is responding now to David because of David's life. He was able to go before me. He says, because I'm blameless. You want to see the Lord really st stand before you? Look what He says here. The Lord stood before me. Why? Because I'm blameless. And in fact, it says here, because He delighted in me or He rewarded me due to my innocence or he compensated me because of my life. Now it says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness or the cleanness of my hands. 
He has recompensed me, or He has given me what I rightly deserve, which is His hand of protection due to a life of obedience. Now, there are often times that we're living a life of disobedience and we expect the Lord's hand of protection around us. And although, yes, God's hand of protection is around us now, God's character doesn't change, of course. But hear what David is saying. Yes, I knew that God was right beside me. I knew that His presence was right with me because I was also walking with Him. <laughs> you want to know if the Lord's hand of protection is with you? You want to know if He is next to you? Ask yourself, am I walking with Him? Because He never moves. He never changes. Oftentimes, we're the one that drifts away. We have to ask ourselves, Lord, are you, are you, are you still in this? Instead of asking, Lord, are you still in this? Ask yourself, am I walking with Him? Because if you're walking with Him, know this. He is a part of it. And He's saying, because I'm blameless, because I've been walking with Him, He's just been defending me every step of the way. Now this is awesome because he's talking about a life that is walking with the Lord. And he goes on in verse 21, speaking about the obedience. And it says this, For I have kept the ways of the Lord. What has he done? He's obeyed the ways of the Lord. And I have not wickedly departed from my God. I haven't turned from walking in obedience to God or walking away from the word of God. In verse 22 it tells us, For all his judgments were before me. His word was before me. And that I not put away his statues from me. The word of God was before me. And I never put it away. <laughs> you know when you're going to walk away from the Lord? When you put it away. His word was before me. And I never put them away. They were always before me. His statues were before me. I was also blameless before him. His word was before me. So I was blameless before him. Do you notice how that happens, how blamelessness happens? In fact, it doesn't happen without the Word of God. His Word was before me, so I was blameless before Him. I never put it away. Let's keep reading. And I've kept myself from my iniquity. I've kept myself, my hands, clean from sin in His sight. I've kept myself from sin in His sight. Now look at how confident He is. I know the Lord defended me because I never stopped walking with Him. I know the Lord is for me because I never stopped walking with Him. I know the Lord now is, is right beside me because I never left His side. I've always walked in obedience. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness. Again, he's saying because of my faithfulness, because of my integrity, because of my pure hands in the sight of God. He's done this according to the cleanliness of my hands in His sight. With the merciful, look at what he says about the character of God. You show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. The Lord will recompense us also according to our conduct. According to our life. Our life matters. Our conduct, our obedience, our walk with the Lord. With the merciful, the Lord, you showed yourself merciful. With the blameless, you stood before them blameless. Those that wanted to be liars or trickery or shrewd, you showed yourself also shrewd with the devious. For you will save the humble people and you will bring down Adi looks. You rescue the humble God and you humble 
the proud. Now, do you notice that in the life of David, he was looking back and he was looking at God's faithfulness. But God's faithfulness, it's also a picture of God's now preparedness in your life. When God is faithful in your life, when God's character, when His covenants are so real in your life, how, how He deals with us, it also tells us that God is also preparing us. He's offending us. He's taking us through the fire. He's allowing us to go through these things and He's equipping us for future years of service. Do you notice how He was equipping David here throughout this time for future years of service? I mean, just to think about this. Think about the, the times where... 13 years it took for Joseph to be prepared before God used them. 13 years. Well, think about now when it took now Moses 40 years for the Lord to start to use him as well. He took him from living in Pharaoh's palace to living in Jethro's desert in the wilderness, taking care of his sheep for 40 years, only to bring him back and use him again for 40 years of preparedness now. But what about Joshua again? 40 years in the wilderness next to Moses, being prepared. Oftentimes we want the Lord to say, Lord, use me, Lord, now. And He's saying, I am using you. <laughs> but as I'm using you, I'm also developing you. And the Lord, as long as you're walking with Him, He will never stop developing you. And I don't know about you, but I want to be developed by the Lord so that we can be a great warrior, man and woman of God, compassionate leader as now David was as well. Let's keep reading verse 28. You will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. The Lord, you will give me light. You will keep me alive in dark times. You will strengthen me. For by you, circle by you, what can you do? By God, I can run against the truth. Every time I've read this growing up and even to this day, it makes me laugh. <laughs> Because of how he describes his confidence in the Lord. This is the same David that, that, that now killed Goliath. But look at what he thinks about. He, look at how he mentions the capacity and the strength and the power in his confidence in the Lord. He's saying, Lord, by you I can run straight against a troop and army. Look what he goes again. It says, by my God, not by my own strength, but my God, I can leap over a wall. <laughs> Just think about how, I mean, think about the illustrations that David is using. It doesn't matter if there's an army. It doesn't matter if there's a wall. In God, I can go against that army. And by God, I can jump over that wall. I love that. It says, as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. Think about it. God's word has never failed. He proves His word to be true time and time again. He is a shield or protection to all those who trust in Him. His promises are proven. His promises are true. He will never fail you when it comes to this protection. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength. He gives me my strength. It is the Lord where I get my stability from. And He makes my way perfect. He places me on high places. In fact, verse 33, He makes my feet like the feet of deer. And He sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Now notice what he's talking about. God not only has defended me, God has been equipping me. God in the past hasn't only been defending me. This whole time, God has been equipping me. 
There are a lot of times we say, well, God doesn't want to use me. I, I'm not equipped. And God only calls those that are equipped. God does not call those that are equipped. He equips those that are called and that answer the call. Isn't this amazing? In fact, David was an ill-equipped man. They didn't even call him when he was going to be king. But the Lord used years before he made him king. He anointed him three different times. Isn't that amazing? The one time he anointed him, nothing happened. Second time he got anointed for just a portion of the nation of Israel. It was just the tribe of Judah. And then years later, it took like 13 years, and they anointed him the third time. Throughout that entire time, what was the Lord doing for, John, for David? Equipping him, developing him. We ought to appreciate those times in our lives where the Lord is defending us and He's also equipping us. You also have given me, verse 35, the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Lord, thank you because you have given me authority and leadership. You have given me stability, Lord. Victory and support over me, God. You've enlarged my path under me. So my feet did not slip. Thank you, Lord, because you have supported me. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back. Look at he's talking about victory over his enemies. Till they were destroyed, I have wounded them so they could not rise they have fallen under my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. Again, you have given me strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have, Lord, given me victory or you have allowed me to overpower those enemies. Now listen to how he continues to now praise God for these things. You have given me the necks of the enemies so that I destroy those who hated me. They cried out, but there was no one to save. Why, did there, why weren't there, there nobody to save? Because the wicked wasn't crying out in repentance. The wicked was crying out to oppose David. But that's not the prayer that the Lord answers when it comes to the wicked. The only prayer that the Lord answers when it comes to the wicked is the prayer of repentance. And they cried out to try to defeat David, but no one saved them, even to the Lord. But he didn't answer them because they didn't want to repent. Then I beat them as fine as the dust with the wind, and I cast them out like dirt in the streets. You have delivered me from the strivings of people, from those that didn't like me, from those that were after me, from those that had an ill motive and intention against me. It says, you have made me the head of nations. You've given me the leadership, Lord. You've given me the position, Lord. You've given me the calling. A people I have not known shall serve me. Lord, thank you because you have enlarged, Lord, the capacity of leadership. You want to use my life, God. And it goes on and it says this, As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Now from verse 46 all the way to verse 50, what is he going to talk about now is glorifying God in worship because of what he did. Glorifying God in worship now. And it says this, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Look at these lyrics of worship. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who are rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent men. Therefore, because of this, God, I'm going to trust you. Because of this, Lord, I'm going to glorify you. Because of this, I know now that not only 
was a man, I, you placed me as a man of authority, but you placed me as a man of authority because I was first under your authority. Do you know that in order for you to exercise authority, you must yourself know what it's like to be under it? And David knew what it was like to submit to God, so the Lord put him on, on authority, and all these people now started to now receive and submit to David. Therefore, I give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles. This is important. I will thank you, Lord, even among those who don't know you. I will be grateful even among the unbeliever. I will exalt you, Lord, because you give me now safety. I will sing praises to your name among the unbeliever, the Gentiles. You see, what I love about this is that, that he gives us confidence and he gives us a reason to be grateful in public. There are often times that we become a little bit ashamed or intimidated to show our gratitude to the Lord. But here he's saying, I'm going to make my gratitude public before the Lord. Do you notice that? And sing praises to your name. I, I have to sing. I must sing because of what you've done. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shown mercy to his anointed, to David, his descendants forevermore. Thank you, Lord, because of what you've done. You've shown mercy. You have shown grace, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Let's read Psalms 19 as he continues now to declare the revelation of how God revealed himself to him. How does God reveal himself to you? Maybe you're saying, well, Lord, I want you to speak to me. How does God reveal himself to you? You know, God reveals himself to you through creation. That you know that there is a God. When you look at creation, you know that there is a God who created all of it. But also he reveals himself to you through his word. I was reading lately and I heard about when someone was evangelizing to Helen Keller. Helen Keller, she was deaf and blind. When they finally found a form to evangelize to her and tell her about God, a person that did not have sight or hearing said this, I always knew that there was a God. I just didn't know his name. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That God has planted in the heart and the soul of man his existence. God has planted in the heart and the soul of man his existence. And he reveals himself through creation. There's a God. And in his word, he tells you what's his name. Now let's read chapter 19 because David is going to say, Lord, you have given me a revelation of you. I see creation. I know you're real. I read your word and you become personal and intimate with me. Now let's see God's revelation or his perfect revelation through the heavens and through his word. The heavens declare the glory of God. It's the expansion of the work of God. The evidence that there is a God. He reveals Himself through the firmaments, or it's another, another word for the heavens, shows His handiwork or the work of His hands. Day unto day utters the speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Day and night the heavens declare and gives us knowledge that God is real, that God is in existence. Notice that. He says, There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. There is nowhere... No matter what language they speak there, there is no place, no matter how secret or primitive it is, where the existence of God is not going to be revealed through His creation. The Romans chapter 1 tells us that His invisible attributes are clearly seen, that no one at their end of their life will ever have an excuse, well, I did not know that there was a God. 
here in Psalms chapter 19, David is saying, I know there's a God. He's placed everything, including the sun, in its place. Now notice this. As we continue reading, their line has gone out through all the earth and their words of, to the end of the earth. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, or he has set a place for the sun among all his creation, which is like the sun in its strength, is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. He's put the sun in his place and it shines with so much joy and radiance like a bridegroom coming out of the bridegroom room, coming out with joy, with a smile on his face. Right? Gonna get married. And rejoices like a strong man to run its race. The Lord has put everything together in a way that it demonstrates joy, determination now, speaking about the sun here as he continues. And he says here in verse 6, its rising is from one end to the heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. God has made Himself now available through His creation. He has demonstrated His power now. Now, the sad reality about this is that people will ignore it and reject that there is a God. We look at everything around us and we ignore the message or the universal message that there is a God and as the sun is placed, as the heavens are placed, they're there to worship the Lord, to give evidence of God. And what do we do? Oftentimes in humanity, is we reject the universal message that there is a God. Because we choose to say, I want to live the way I please. But now look at here, verse 7, because in verse 7 and on, he's going to talk about now the Word of God and how God reveals Himself in through His Word. Now I want to encourage you. If you're not spending time in the Word of God, how are you going to know Him? How is He going to reveal Himself to you? God's Word is God's way of revealing Himself to you. That's why I think it's so amazing when you see someone's maybe Bible or notebook and it's all marked up, highlighted all over the place. It shows a person who knows the revelation of God. God, thank you, you've revealed yourself to me. In fact, it says this in verse 7, the law of the Lord, what is it? God's word is perfect. It converts or converting the soul. It revives my soul. Do you feel right now you're in a place maybe that you needed some revival in your life? It starts in the word of God. His good word, His law is perfect. It revives the soul or imparts spiritual life to that which is dead. That's why our vision is to see dead men and women come alive by the teaching of the Word of God. The Word of God converts the soul. Look at the power of the Word of God. What does it do? It converts the soul. His testimony, again, this is another word to describe the Word of God, the law, the testimony of the Lord or the Word of God is sure making wise the simple. His Word gives me life. His Word gives me wisdom. It's right. It's sure. It's true. It gives the simple. It makes him wise. Simple means the humble or that which is now willing to learn, to yield, to submit to the Lord. It gives him understanding about life or about now godliness. Verse 8. The statues of the Lord. The law, the testimony, the statues of the Lord. What are they? They are right. Rejoicing the heart. Are you discouraged today? Do you need the Lord to give you some joy in your heart? The law here 
of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord. What are they here? What does it tell us in verse 8? They are right and His statutes bring joy to your heart. Lord, I need encouragement. Get in the Word. I need wisdom. Get in the Word. I need revival. Get in the Word. It says the commandments, another word for the Word of God, of the Lord are also, what are they now? It tells us here in verse 8, they are pure now, enlightening the eyes. Now pure speaks about a radiance. Your Word is radiant, God. Your Word is full of light, and it gives light to my eyes. Lord, where should I go? Well, His Word is pure. It's radiant. It's shining. It shows me the way. It gives me the light. What does this tell us? Now His Word gives me revival. His Word gives me wisdom. His Word gives me joy. His Word gives, shows me the way and the fear of the Lord. This is another expression to describe the Word of God. Notice what it says. is clean now. It endures forever. It says, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. The word of the Lord is true now or is clean. The fear of God now is clean now, it says. And he's talking about a reverence and respect now to the word of God so that we can have or to the God of the word so that we can receive the word of God. Now notice that. I want to say that again because I want us to catch that. The fear of the Lord, and then the Word of God. You see, the, the reverence and respect for the God of the Word, the reverence and respect for the God of the Word, will allow you to receive the Word of God. I have reverence and respect for the Lord, now I can receive the Word of God. His judgments are true altogether. More to be desired they than gold. What do you desire more? They are to be desired more than gold. Oftentimes we desire gold, we desire money, we desire success. The Word of God is so rich, it is so valuable. It is so meaningful. The benefits of the Word of God are so now valuable in my life that I desire them. They are more valuable, they are to be more desired as one desires gold, more than that. Now think about that. In fact, they are much more, yes, more than fine gold or of the best gold that you can think of. Sweeter also than honey and then the honeycomb. The Word of God is more valuable than the most valuable type of gold that you think about. And His Word is sweeter, even sweeter than the honeycomb. His, his Word is sweet now. What is it talking about here? It's to be more desired, more pleasurable, more enjoyable than anything that I've ever tasted. <laughs> Notice how He continues. Moreover, by them or by your Word, your servant is warned. How much do you desire the Word of God? How much do you desire to be in the Word of God? Because in the Word of God, you are warned. We are warned. In the Word of God, we're held accountable now. In the Word of God, He holds us accountable. It says, and in keeping them, there is great reward. You warn me, and when I obey, there's a blessing. Now, do you want to stay in a safe place with the Lord? You want to continue walking with the Lord? Stay in the Word of God. Because there you receive every warning of life that you need to receive every warning because the Lord loves you in His Word. And as you obey those warnings, there is a reward. <laughs> there is a blessing for your obedience. Now verse 12, this is why we need the Word of God. Because the Word of God exposes every area of our lives that are hidden, every sin in our lives that maybe that we don't know about. 
But His Word exposes it, it goes and examines our lives, even to the deepest secrets, and reveals who can understand His errors. Who can discern His own errors on His own. Without the Word of God, we might think that our lives is great, that our life is good, that we're good people. In fact, it says, who can examine or who can discern his own errors? And, and look what he says now in verse 12. He becomes very honest and it says, cleanse me from secret faults. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me for those things that I'm doing that I don't even realize or I don't even know that they are in my life. Well, this is a, this is a heavy prayer. In fact, if you go tonight into your prayer room and you pray verse 13 and verse 14, it's going to change not only your prayer life, but it's going to change your spiritual walk. Because you're going to be a man and a woman that, that, that says, you know what, I do not want to be in sin. I don't want to be in sin. This is a prayer, an honest prayer from a person, from a man that understands what repentance means. He wants to be in the presence of God and he knows that in the presence of God there is no room for sin. Cleanse me from those things that I don't even think about are sin in my life. This is amazing here. He's, he's coming before the Lord and he's saying, Lord, now cleanse me from unrealized, unknown sin. Cleanse me from them. And then look at what he goes because he has a desire for holiness. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Cleanse me from those things that I don't realize are sins. And also, Lord, keep me back from those things that I willfully do. Lord, forgive me for those things that I don't know that I'm doing. <laughs> and then for the things that I do know that I'm doing, that I'm doing willfully, that I'm doing in pride, that I'm doing without shame, Lord, now I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me from those things or keep me from those things so that they don't control me. Look what it says. Let them not have dominion over me. Keep me back, God. Because if you don't keep me back, guess what? They're going to have dominion. They're going to have control over me. They are going to control me. Cleanse me. Keep me back. When you start your day, would you pray? And when you end your day, Lord, cleanse me and keep me back from those things that I don't realize. And also from those things that I know, but I'm battling with. Because I don't want them to have power over me. He's asking for protection and strength. Then, verse 13, then and only then, I shall be blameless. You see, he, you see a desire for holiness. You see a dependence for God and His strength. But also you see a determination. He wants to be in the presence of God. A desire, a dependence, and a determination. He's committed to holiness. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Lord, then I will be right before your eyes. You will protect me. You will strengthen me. And this is, this is such a beautiful verse as we're going to end tonight. He wants to just please the Lord. Lord, do this because I just want to please you. I don't want to please self. I don't want to please me. See, the problem oftentimes as to why we can't boldly come into the presence of God is because our life is about pleasing ourselves. He's going here, he's saying, Lord, provide the conviction that I need. He welcomes the conviction. You know that we need conviction in our life. You know, two, 
too often I've been hearing that, you know what, well, that person can do this. That's their conviction. And that person, you know what, I'm not going to do it because that's not my conviction. And oftentimes that can be a really cheap excuse as to why to play with sin. There has to be essentials in where our convictions are the same. <laughs> and you know someone that has strong convictions, that is not passive, that has strong convictions when they're praying this type of prayer. Lord, cleanse me and keep me back. Strong convictions. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth <laughs> and the meditation of my heart, everything that I say and everything that I keep in my heart. Why does he say those things? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Examine me, God. This is a true worshiper. Lord, look at my heart so that it doesn't affect my speech. <laughs> Let the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Let it be pleasing in your sight that when you look at my heart and what I ever think that I say, is it pleasing to God? And notice what it says here. Oh, Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Lord, oh, God, you are my strength and you are also my Redeemer. You are the one that paid the price to now give me freedom from sin and from slavery. A Redeemer is someone that said, you know what? I'm going to pay the price for this slave. Here's the price for this slave. The slave is set free. Go on. You're set free. Jesus, our Lord, did that for us. Oh Lord, thank you because you paid the price for my, my, paid the price for my sin. I'm no longer a slave. Therefore, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Can we pray? And we ask, Lord, Lord, examine us tonight. Examine us, Lord. Because we want to be committed to truth. We want, Lord, that He would have power over us, not anything else. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank You, God. Cleanse us from secret faults. If there's any secret faults, anything that we don't know, maybe there's secret sins behind the scenes. I pray, God, that you would reveal those to us. I pray, Lord, that we would be willing to go into your presence, God, and say, Lord, if there's anything that it doesn't please you, Lord, God, you convict us. Let us not lose conviction. Because our conviction allows us, Lord, to be pleasing in your sight. I pray, Lord, that you would, your Holy Spirit would bring the conviction in our hearts, Lord. Maybe there's some of us, Lord, that need that conviction, that strong conviction of your presence. We thank you, Lord.
Reveal to us, Lord, what we need to repent from. And we pray this all in your name, in Jesus' name. Together we said...